1: Hello and welcome to another edition of How to Bay Area, the podcast that explains how to get stuff done right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. In this edition, we're going to be talking about how to keep our homes coronavirus-free. Shelter-in-place has us all spending an awful lot of time at home, obviously. But every now and then, even the most rigorous social distancers will probably need to venture outside. So when you do... How can you make sure that you don't bring the virus back inside with you? Well, it turns out a lot of that comes down to cleaning and disinfecting those homes properly. So that's what we're going to be talking about in this program. We are going to be speaking with Annalise Roque Gardner, an infectious disease specialist with UC San Francisco, about how she's keeping her home safe from the virus when she comes home from work. Uh, Once again, a quick programming note, this is another expanded interview from a recent KCBS In-Depth program. In case you were thinking this all sounded a little bit too familiar, we needed this expanded version because there was a lot more in that interview than we could fit into the broadcast runtime, like a lot, a lot, actually. So if specificity is what you are looking for, that is what you are going to get in this program. Hope it is. Strap in as we get into the nitty and the gritty of Coronavirus Cleaning 101. Annalise Roque Gardner. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
1: All right. So we are going to get into the advice, advice portion in just a second. But first, wanted to get a little bit more grounded in this topic. Now, obviously, it's thought that the main way this virus is spreading is through person-to-person contact. One person sneezes or coughs, and that gives it to somebody else nearby, not too far away. But we've also been hearing about all these studies that are suggesting that the virus can live on surfaces like plastic surfaces, metal surfaces for days at a time. So when it comes to this other method of transfer, I guess the, uh, the surface to person transfer, how worried about that should we be?
2: Uh, so the, I, I think your point, the, the first point you made, is the most critical one that I want people to remember, which is uh, obviously person-to-person spread uh, or community spread is what we're seeing right now, primarily in most of the United States, and the the instance of sneezing, um, you're next to someone, you're uh, someone is coughing, you're next to them. Uh, that is what uh, we should all be most. Concerned about right now, um, and that is the uh, the importance of social distancing um, is tied to that. Uh, the the second aspect I would put the the surfaces under um, the the first mode of transmission, and that is I I, I think right now if uh, the majority of people in the Bay Area hopefully are staying in their homes, um, sheltering in place. But for those that um, are venturing out for errands. Um, or people that are essential employees and are uh, going into work and um, having exposure to different environments and possibly to different people, uh, I, I do think that becomes more critical for healthcare workers like myself. Um, I, that is quite important because we're obviously coming into the hospital every day um, and um, high touch things that we carry around, such as our pagers, such as phones, um, glasses. Those are things that, um, in the right context, the virus could be on. Uh, and we want to make sure that um, we clean those before um, we go home to make sure that um, the people that we live with, um, our loved ones, are also safe. Um, and that is goes for anyone that is um, going out, to uh, to areas uh, where there's, uh, uh, there is there's a lot of mingling there's a lot of people right now
1: and just to frame this up a little bit more so you are somebody who works in a clinical setting so obviously you need to be very concerned with cleanliness and making sure that the transmission is stopped wherever possible And you were also telling me that uh, your friends and family members have been coming to you for advice for how they can protect themselves and protect their homes. So I'm wondering if you could share that advice with our listeners now. And let's just start with, because, you know, not everybody is going to be listening to the end. Let's just start with what is the number one thing that if somebody is listening right now, you would hope that they would get away from this conversation?
2: I, I want people to remember high touch surfaces. High touch surfaces make sure those are being cleaned and I'm including phones in that because um, we all have a phone nowadays a lot of us are tied to that phone for a lot of the day um, and we need to make sure that um, that is being cleaned on a daily basis.
1: So let's get to the how do you clean those things what are the cleaning products or compounds that we could be using to kill this virus what actually kills this thing.
2: Well, the good thing is that most commercially available uh, cleaning products will be able to kill coronavirus. Obviously, we focus and um, we encourage people to use bleach um, uh, being a common household product, cleaning product that a lot of us have. Um, alcohol solutions are also important, but remembering that it needs to be at least 70% uh, alcohol um, and then hydrogen peroxide as well. But most commercially available products, um, uh, which have some component of those three things I mentioned, the alcohol, the bleach, and the hydrogen peroxide in them, they kill coronavirus. And generally, um, the, the... the term for this are EPA-registered household disinfectants, and I know most of us um, don't usually take a look at the the, the cleaning bottles extensively, but for the, uh, for the most part, everything that you're getting in the supermarket will have that, that little seal on it, and um, that will be able to eradicate coronavirus.
1: So I guess the good news there is that while the Clorox wipes and the Lysol spray may be sold out at your local supermarket, A lot of the stuff that you're talking about there is much more widely available. You can just find it in your own home, mix it up yourself.
2: Absolutely. And I just want to note that when people are using any of these products, it's really important to wear gloves, um, disposable gloves, if you have them, um, just to make sure uh, they have some irritant effect, obviously, on your hands. And you want to make sure you're keeping your hands um, safe when using these products.
1: Mm. And going back to that point that you made about high touch surfaces a second ago, walk our listeners through what we have in mind there. We're talking about doorknobs, we're talking about countertops. What's the main things that we have in mind?
2: So we're looking at if you think about when you when you enter your home from that um, from that point, what are things that you're touching? So, for example, you mentioned doorknobs, um, uh, light switches being another one, handles of things, whether that's your refrigerator or other aspects of your home, desks. Um, I particularly uh, like people to focus on the kitchen and in the bathroom because those are those are areas that are commonly shared by um, uh, everyone in the household. Um, sink being another one. Sink, sink handles, um, chairs. If you're uh, working from home and you have a home office, you're going to be sitting in that chair every day. Um, so I, if you if you take a step back and you think about it, you're going into your home, what are the things that you may not even realize you're touching. Those are high-touch areas. And then I also um, include phones um, for personal aspects of that and also um, glasses if you wear glasses because you're touching those numerous times in a day
1: right and well we should also note you mentioned uh, phones a second ago you you do have to check with the instructions for your phone how to clean it because some are very sensitive to some of the products that we're talking about here especially uh, bleach you really don't want to use bleach on a lot of your electronics let's get now to uh, how you actually use those products on these surfaces what should people be keeping in mind about the best way to use some of these cleaners to kill this virus
2: So um, starting with uh, figuring out whether that surface is dirty at baseline or not, and if it's visibly soiled, um, what I would tell people is that um, it should first be cleaned using soap and water prior to disinfection. Um, That's a kitchen counter that has uh, food or has scraps or anything on it. So that's the first step. And then um, we go to, let's just say bleach. We're using bleach, making sure that we're diluting that bleach properly. Obviously, um, bleach can be very caustic, and so we want to make sure that we're diluting it in water. And generally what I tell um, people I'm using in my own home um, is around five tablespoons uh, of bleach per gallon of water, about four teaspoons per about a quart of water is going to be the the, um, the um, uh, breakdown of uh, the dilution that you want to use. So starting with um, if it's dirty, first let's clean with soap and water and then um, if you have rags handy, if you have paper towels handy, um, using that diluted bleach solution to clean those hard um, uh, hard surfaces first.
1: And then is there a certain amount of time you want to leave that bleach on the surface before you wipe it off?
2: Uh, yes I I, you want to clean first and then make sure everything's dry and then um, go ahead with um, the bleach solution and then make sure that is dry as well hmm
1: and and then what about soft surfaces like for example I have a gear bag that I bring out with me uh, every day to work what what, how should I clean something like that
2: so I I think taking a step back it's the first the question of whether that should be cleaned Um, and I we're talking we first talked about high touch surfaces in our home and things that we're touching throughout the day we know that coronavirus lives um, for example lives roughly about a day on cardboard on stainless steel it lives about three days um, the the information and the data that we have about other surfaces I would say at this point um, we're starting to gain more information but um, the studies are, are limited and so I Personally, I would say that um, for things like my handbag, um, I do not clean it on a daily basis, um, and I, I think I would, I think it would be difficult um, to know um, if it would be effective to clean. Um, because we don't know the extent of how long the virus is going to live on there or if it's even going to live on there.
1: Yeah, so some amount of discretion, I suppose, is called for here in terms of what's going to get cleaned and uh, what is not. Returning to the uh, broader topic of soft surfaces, though, what is your advice for keeping those surfaces clean if uh, you are going to clean them?
2: It depends on what surface you're talking about, um, obviously. So things like carpeted floors, rugs, drapes, um, those uh, I would use whatever is an appropriate cleaner for your rug or for that porous surface, um, and that is likely going to be able to eradicate the coronavirus because most commercially available cleaners have some level of disinfectant in them. Um, and so uh, it's hard for me to think about the different kinds of um, of bag types, for example, since we were talking about uh, bag. You,
1: uh, you mean you mean you can't tell me how to clean my alligator skin bag? Come on.
2: Um, uh, not an expert in that, even though I'm from Florida, sadly. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I would gear your cleaning um, as you would if you weren't trying to clean um, a vir- trying to disinfect. Um, uh, so if you're trying to clean your carpet, I would clean your carpet as you normally do with whatever commercially available. Um, uh, cleaning product you you use
1: now what about when you're returning to your home there's always the possibility that you've picked up something on your clothing or your hands or something that you've been carrying do you have any special procedure that you go through when you get home to clean yourself off and make sure you're not tracking anything in
2: Uh, so I I will tell you what, what again what I tell my parents and what I tell my loved ones which is the first thing that I do when I step inside my house is I wash my hands Um, And that's going to be your biggest defense. Um, Washing your hands frequently uh, when you're coming in contact with these high touch surfaces or when you're coming from the outside world into your home. Um, Then um, after that, uh, I I generally do try to change out of my hospital clothes, but again, I'm in an environment where um, I may be exposed to more things than um, uh, people that are not necessarily um, healthcare workers. Uh, but I, I think that's a personal choice as to what, what you think your, um, your comfort level is. I simply do it to get into more comfortable clothes and to get out of my hospital clothes. Um, but the most important thing is going to be make sure that you're washing your hands um, and that if something is soiled or, for example, as we talked about, if someone, for example, has sneezed on your bag or you're concerned about one particular thing, that that gets cleaned um, as you're coming into your home.
1: And then uh, what about uh, your clothes? I've heard some folks suggest that it's a good idea to have your outdoor clothes that you take off as soon as you come inside, and then your indoor clothes, which you know are totally clean. Is is that something that you would suggest as well, keeping those two things separate?
2: I think, again, it, it depends on your risk factor. And um, we're talking about the general risk for the population. This changes if you are someone who is immunocompromised or who is in that high-risk group of patients that are over the age of 65 with comorbidities um, that we know are more susceptible to um, uh, more severe complications from uh, COVID-19. And so I I think that is more of an individual choice. I'm a physician. I do change my clothes um, to try to have a little bit of that barrier, but for someone who maybe is going to the store to pick up some groceries and is coming back home. I'm not sure that's necessary for the average person.
1: Hmm. All right. So there, once again, it sounds like there is not a one-size-fits-all answer to that question as well. Well, let's move on to something that is going to be confronting just about everybody, uh, the question of how to deal safely with the grocery store items that you're bringing back into your home. Now... It's very easy to imagine the scenario where that box of Cheerios that you pick up in the grocery store aisle, maybe somebody infected has touched it or uh, somebody has coughed on it, something like that. What should you be doing with those items once you get them home? How worried should you be about those as vectors of contagion?
2: Great question. So going back to what we know about how long this virus lives on certain surfaces, we know, for example, cardboard, it tends to live about a day. Stainless steel, it tends to live about three days. So I, I, I think people have an option here. They can they can put in their pantry um, if they're not going to be using it right away. Um, or if they are concerned about that, then they can um, wipe down cans. I know certain I know people that are currently doing that, wiping down um, stainless steel cans that they're getting at the grocery store. I, I I think it's um I think it's it's difficult to give one broad advice for everyone because you. Um, you want to make sure that you're able to live your life still um, and that you don't have hours or uh, added to your day because you're now disinfecting your food um, as well. Um, Because ultimately, we know that the virus will die off in the environment. Um, And so depending on what uh, what your individual risk is, um, if you are uh, over the age of 65, if you're immunosuppressed, If you are um, more susceptible to the harsher consequences of coronavirus, then I I, I think it may be something that uh, that you may want to do if you want to take extra precautions. But personally, I will say I am not doing that.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So you're saying you could actually basically quarantine some of those products uh, after you have brought them home elsewhere in your house for a couple of days and once they've kind of passed that threshold of when the virus dies that's when it's safe to bring them back and start using them?
2: Essentially we know that it's going to live a certain time on that surface and after that it it will it will not Um, and that is that is one option that is people uh, want to do is available to them or the other option is that you go ahead and uh, and use those products. Um, you clean them first if you want, or if um, if you're comfortable with what you're purchasing at the grocery store and. Um, don't clean them and utilize them as you would normally.
1: Mm. And uh, this may be kind of a dumb question, but how do you clean cardboard? Because it's not exactly a hard surface. It's not exactly a soft surface. What do you use to clean a cardboard package?
2: I, I, I think that's a good question. I would probably go back to my Lysol wipe, which is my, my go-to. Uh, but if you don't have that available, most people have paper towels in their home and they can, um, if they have set up a diluted um container of bleach or hydrogen peroxide or whatever you're using um put a little bit on a paper towel and then clean your cardboard if you if you um if you want to do that
1: huh all right so uh not so different after all cleaning cardboard Let's uh, skip it around topics right now. Skipping now to personal hygiene. What do you suggest in terms of washing ourselves off when we get home? Some folks have said, you know, you want to change clothes and then take a shower. Is that really necessary, taking a shower as soon as you've walked in the door?
2: I I think uh, the stuff that we would normally advise to patients to just maintain your general health, that includes not only showering regularly, but also... Making sure you're getting plenty of sleep, making sure that you're getting plenty of exercise, indoor exercise as you're sheltering in place, um, and eating properly. Um, those are that kind of general advice applies to those as well. Uh, I'm not sure that I would uh, I would go ahead and say people need to be showering more than usual. I I don't think that's that's necessary. I think the the general advice that physicians give you to maintain um, good health is what would apply here.
1: And how does this all change if there is somebody in your household that has tested positive for coronavirus? Are uh, I mean, are there steps that you can take at that point to prevent the spread within your own house? Is that even possible?
2: If if you do have someone in your house that uh, you know is COVID positive and um, you are sharing. Um, you are sharing uh, surfaces and you are sharing an environment then there is an extra level of, of, um, of caution that needs to be taken. Um, that is um, particularly uh, when I bring up the, the uh, kitchen and the um, bathroom situation because obviously those are things that you can't avoid sharing with someone else. It's going to be really hard to isolate this person from the bathroom and the kitchen. Um, And so as much as possible, though, that ill person should stay in one specific room and away from uh, other people in their home. That uh, also means that that person should be given personal cleaning supplies um, uh, for um, that environment that they have. um, And... Um, make sure that they if there is a separate bathroom available or if there is a separate room for example if uh, a husband and wife husband um, is infected wife is not making sure that husband is sleeping in a separate bedroom if available or in the living room or in trying to to separate that person as much as possible um, for infection control purposes Mm.
1: All right, so a lot of really good advice there hopefully plenty of stuff that folks at home will find useful To close things out, and you've hinted at this a number of times throughout the conversation, curious for your thoughts on how far should we take all this? Because... Obviously, there is a spectrum. We could be spending every moment of every day wiping down every surface that we can find and making sure that all the germs are dead, or we could do nothing. And it seems like neither one of those options are really good options. So where do you come down on all of this in terms of how much of our time day-to-day we should be putting into these cleaning measures?
2: I, I think that's a really critical point because at the end of the day, um, this could overtake your life if you start cleaning um, every aspect of your home or if you start cleaning um, all your groceries or everything that you're coming in contact with. I do think we need to all as a society and uh, uh, be smart about the decisions that we're making, um, uh, social distancing being the, um, a critical one. But what I, I would say, do as I do in the sense that um, if you have a general risk, that means that um, you're under the age of 65, you're relatively healthy, you don't have any of those other comorbidities or concerns with immunosuppression that we worry about, then um, I am I am not um, – I am frequently washing my hands, that is for sure. I am going through the high touch surfaces in my home and cleaning those. And I am also being wary of the time that I spent on the weekends on my day, on my days off um, in um, high traffic areas and social distancing at home. But I am not, um, I am opting to not clean groceries and not clean things like my bag because I think the risk overall is low. Um, I think if you are, um, my in-laws are um, over that age criteria that we worry about and um, I'm cautioning them to try to limit the amount of time that they're spending outside for sure and going to grocery stores during that senior hour that a lot of our, um, a lot of our grocery stores have now. But um, I, I think it's, people need to be aware of what their own individual risk is and whatever they're comfortable doing from that perspective. I think it, it, you could definitely go overboard. And while we all want to be safe um, at the end of the day, uh, we also have to be able to live our lives and and, um, and enjoy our lives and the time that we're spending with our loved ones.
1: All right, some words of wisdom to close on there. Uh, I feel like we've taken enough of your time. So thank you very, very much for spending all of that time breaking that down for us. So we have been speaking today to Annalise Roquet-Gardner. She's an infectious disease specialist with UC San Francisco. Annalise Roquet-Gardner, thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: This has been How To Bay Area. If you missed our last interview on social distancing safety, go check it out. It comes right before this one on the podcast stream. Very eye-opening interview with a social epidemiologist about why it is so important that we all do our part to get social distancing right, and also a lot of information on how to get that social distancing right. Signing off for now, though, thank you very much for listening. Hope you are well and safe inside your clean, virus-free homes. For KCBS, I'm Keith Manconi. See you next time.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.